there are a few signs that you may be in a rut. When you get up in the morning, it feels like the best you can hope for for the day is to get through it. You feel unmotivated. You feel unfulfilled. When you poke your head out of the trench, you see that the world is zooming by. You want it all to change, but that's just scary. It requires energy and is really, really uncomfortable. But how can you get unstuck back to your zone of genius? And that's coming up next on Experience Leadership. Welcome to Experience Leadership, a podcast that helps small business owners and entrepreneurs just like you dare to be the exception. Join our host, service expert and master of experiences, Mark Hain, as he uncovers relevant and timely content to help you develop your business. So you can take the time to work on your business, not just in your business. Here's your host, Mark Hain. Welcome to this episode of Experience Leadership. I am so glad that you are with us. This is where small business owners and entrepreneurs can pick up core skill sets to help them work on their business, not just in your business. I am your host, service expert, and master of experiences, Mark Hain, and my guest today is certified coach and business consultant, Loretta Cooland. And today we are talking about how to recognize and how to get out of a rut, how to get unstuck. And we're going to talk about the indicators of being stuck, the reasons, some things that you can do to get unstuck, and how you can recognize the habits that's got you there in the first place. And that's all on today's episode, and we'll get to that in just a moment. In the meantime, feel free to subscribe to this program. I'd love to make absolutely sure that you don't miss an episode as it is released. And while you're at it, why don't you go ahead and let me know what you think of the episode. I'd love to get a review on iTunes it's a way for me to understand whether or not this is fulfilling your needs. Are we doing a good job? Is there anything else that you need? And of course, if you know somebody who could use this information, somebody in your circle who you know could benefit from the information that's in today's episode, please go ahead and share the podcast. That is a way that you can be an audacious leader to share with somebody in need. You know, when I was hired on by a municipality as their economic development officer, I got to meet a lot of small business owners. Many were kind of operators within the community. They looked tired. They looked haggard. They looked unmotivated, burnt out, and stressed. For them, every day was the same routine of trying to attract customers, trying to service the customers, and trying to get through another day. So that brings us to our question of the day. So does this reflect your reality? Does it reflect your staff's reality? I'd love for you to be part of this conversation. Why don't you go ahead and post some comments wherever you're consuming this content? My guest today has a long list of leadership achievements. And with 35 years of business experience, Loretta Coolant knows what matters and what works. Loretta blends a keen understanding of business models, processes, organizational dynamics, and human behavior to bring about individual, team, and organizational change. As a certified coach, Loretta focuses on working on helping people find the work-life balance dynamics and effectively manage stress. She is the author of two books, Ask Them, Loretta's Booger Theory of Performance Management, and Just Rude, Things Your Parents Told You Not to Do. <laughs> Welcome, Loretta. It's so great to have you here with us. Thanks. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing great. Thank you so much. I love the titles of your books. 
Thanks. Before we take a deep dive into the topic, could you just let us know a little bit more about how you serve your clients? Sure. I spent a bulk of my career embedded in the business side and being uh, an operations focused individual on, you know, the administrative part of a business. So I understood a lot of the frustrations in small businesses getting things done and also in larger organizations when the manager had to interact with corporate departments like human resources, finance, whatever it was. And I was often the contact to help mitigate those operational aspects of of a business. Mm -hmm. And then I became a human resources person myself and worked within organizations as human resources and worked with managers and understood so many of the frustrations they had, either navigating an organization and also obviously trying to get employees to do what they needed them to do and to keep their own head above water. And that's where I really felt I could add value and shine, which is to help managers sort out the day-to-day things that can drag them down. There was an you know, the Chinese fortune cookie. And it one of the fortunes said, when your feet are firmly planted, you are stuck. And that's how I view the world that, you know, so many of us go through our lives, so many of the managers I've interacted with day in and day out, you know, we just work and work and work and we think we're doing a good job. And then we realize we, we don't innovate, we don't have joy. A lot of why we started out in a business or why we want to go to work has been zapped from us. Mm. And so I figured out a little, you know, a niche to, to really focus on helping, helping managers, helping small business owners, even helping the C-suite navigate. Sometimes from the outside, you can see things that other people can't. We become pretty myopic. <laughs> right. You know, it's funny because we talk about being in a rut. We talk about getting stuck and such. But, you know, some people just don't realize that they might be stuck. They just look at it as it seems like they just this is just my reality. This is what I do every day. This is, they don't realize that they're, they're stuck. How does one uncover the fact that they might be in a rut? We have many warning signs. And the two big ones I like to talk about is first, are you missing a family dinner? Do you end up canceling maybe a, a date or a dinner, whatever it is? Do you miss your children's soccer practice or recital because I have to work? I think I mentioned this to you before, but Marissa Mayer, who's the CEO of Yahoo, talks about this resentment concept. She said, employees don't get burnt out, they feel resentment. And that's one of the warning signs. When we start missing obligations in the rest of our lives, so things we just want to do and we say, I can't do it because I have to work. Those are the things that start building resentment. And we know viscerally, I can feel it in my gut. I know sometimes I don't connect the dots. And the second warning sign is that when I start to use very victim language, I have to work. I can't go. My husband had a business trip fully paid to go to Australia and I didn't go because I had, I was thinking I was very self-important. They couldn't, you know, I I can't leave right now because whatever. You know, as I got older, I realized how silly that was to think that an organization couldn't live without me and I could not go on this fabulous vacation with my husband. So I did not go. That's the kind of warning signs. Those are the things we feel them. We may not always be looking in the mirror and telling ourselves that we've gone too far, that we're stuck. 
that those are the two deep warning signs. Missing things that you want to do or you feel is an obligation you should be, and then there should be, and then also the negative victim language that we use. So the negative victim language is things like, sweetie, it's not my fault. My boss is making me work this weekend. Right. The, I have to, the making, I can't. Yeah. The language that says I am not in control of my life. Yes. Yeah. That is a huge warning sign. So does this idea of being unstuck, does this have anything to do with any sort of mental health component? Like, is there a mental health component to being stuck? There can be, obviously, because sometimes we get way too far into the hole, the rut that you mentioned. Mm -hmm. We are so far in the rut that when we look around, we don't see sky anymore. We see this brown mud and I look up and the sky is only very small and there's no light coming in. And yes, that could lead to depression. It can lead to anxiety. Look, when we talk about victim language and I have to do this, I have to do that. I get pushback. I can't just quit my job. I have a mortgage. I have two kids in college. I have to have health insurance. Yes. And so we have anxiety trying to figure out I'm unhappy here, but I feel I can't leave. Hmm. that's when you need a coach. That's when you need someone to help you, you know, put the hand in and help you pull out of the rut and figure out how to get unstuck. It's very, very difficult for us to do that alone. And sometimes we end up spiraling down and, and end up in depression or anxiety, which are real mental health issues. Sure, sure. You know, and you mentioned something earlier before, you know, you said as you got older, you realized some things. And likewise, you know, I look back, I look back at my 20s when I was working for an employer that I was with for 12 years. And really, I was there for eight years longer than I should have been. Yes. Really, yes. at the end of it. And I look back at it and I think, look at all the opportunities I lost because I tied myself down to that. But I knew nothing else. No. This was my routine, right? And, you know, it got to the point where I would get up in the morning before my kids got up and went to school and I would be home late at night once my kids were in bed. And, you know, again, but this was the reality I felt that this is this is what I needed to do. And I had no body to push me out of that. Now, you mentioned the the idea of a coach. Does it have to be a formal coach or like when you make this kind of relationship with somebody, what should you be looking for? Obviously, as a certified coach, I think um, an objective third party that has some skills in this area can be more helpful because there's more tools that we can bring to the table to help people get unstuck. Right. For me, I sat down and have a conversation with my husband. And when he was stuck one time, we sat down and had a conversation, which is, I'm not happy. What can we do? Because obviously, money-wise, mortgage, all those things, logistically, we need to figure out what we were going to do if either one of us at different points in time were going to change our careers. For example, that's only one of the options, to change your career, leave a job. That's always the, I don't want to say the, the last resort, but... It's the nuclear option kind of a thing. So sometimes if you have a, a sibling, a trusted friend, a spouse that you could talk to, you can navigate. And even just saying the words of, I'm not happy, I want to fix this or do something, is obviously you know the first step. And then you can find other resources. Sure. And, and a lot of companies have EAP. So they could have a social worker or somebody that you could talk to. You could have free legal advice or financial advice to try to figure that out. If the money is the issue, which often money is a big contributor to us staying stuck in a job, in a 
So, so yes, a formal coach is helpful, but it doesn't necessarily, and it often doesn't start there, right? It often starts with us looking in the mirror or, or confiding in our significant other spouse, sister, friend, I'm really unhappy at work. Mm, yes. Or whatever it is, a relationship, it doesn't have to be work, but obviously. For, but for I us, think it's, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said it starts with you recognizing that you're not happy verbalizing it. Because again, we have these visceral things we were talking about before. I know, I know I'm not meeting my obligations. I know I canceled this thing. I know I'm not going to the gym. I know, you know, I didn't sleep well last night. I know these things are going on. Then I have to say, that's not okay anymore. That I am, I don't want this anymore. Making that leap is big. It's articulating that I see it, but it's no longer okay. That's step number one. Fantastic. And it just makes me realize so many different things that, you know, because like you said, it's the, the verbalizing it because internally we feel things and we'll suffer through a lot of things internally for a very long time so that we don't appear weak. We don't appear that we're not doing our job. We're, we don't appear that we're ungrateful <laughs> to have a job, right? So I can, I can definitely see that this idea of the first step being able to verbalize it and then being able to indicate what your expectations are and what you thought was should be different is very important. Another related point, Mark, is a lot of times in a work environment, we negatively bond with our coworkers. And that's how we deal with our unhappiness. I'll come in and go, oh, I had to work this weekend or I got 100 emails between the time I went to that meeting, we just got out of when I got back. So we do these other things as well that reinforces the situation we're in. And it's almost a, a, a salve, you know, to ease the pain we're in. We, we spend time complaining to each other at work instead of working, you know, so we end up having to stay half an hour, an hour later at work. And, you know, we do these negative things and think that is being helpful. And it also validates our feelings instead of admitting it's not okay. Just because the five other people on my team are also unhappy and feeling these same things and miss their child doesn't make it okay for me. Right, right. And but there's this whole misery loves company syndrome, right? Correct. Well, if I'm bitching yes. about it and you're bitching about it, and then we have something in common and it's like, oh. And it seems normal. And it seems normal, yeah. We have the uh, Gallup poll just released their 2020 Gallup thing. And again, they say that employee engagement is only 20% worldwide. Correct. And so when you think about that and you think about now what you just mentioned, what you're talking about are the actively disengaged, the ones who are bitching and bellyaching about it, the ones who are sitting at their desk, you know, getting mad at the, had very little tolerance for anything that might come down the pipe. And, you know, they're playing, again, it's what you said, they're playing the victim. Correct. I had a great personal experience with this. I was hired at, at um, a global investment bank. I had staff in New York and staff in London, two individuals who had the same job. The one in New York was incredibly dramatic. She worked till 10 o'clock every night. And then the one in England, in London, would leave at five o'clock. And I was brought in to determine whether or not the one in London needed to be terminated wasn't doing her job because we had this standard in New York. Well, I find out that the one in New York came in at 10 o'clock in the morning because she didn't go home till 10 o'clock at night and spent the bulk of during the day 
talking to people, doing other things. And then when people left, that's when she worked at night. The one in the London office, as was the culture in a lot of the European offices I worked, she came in at eight. She worked till 12. No kibitzing. No, you know, she worked at a desk at 12 o'clock. Everybody goes to lunch together for an hour. We sit in the cafeteria for half an hour. Then we go for a walk. Or in those days, you smoke a cigarette. Uh, same thing in the Switzerland office. Same thing. You go back to your office. You go to your meetings, whatever. But there's no there's no non-work work at five o'clock. Time to go home. I go home, I have me, and then I come back and do it the next day. Yes. And I take my vacations. In America, we use what? 70% of the people don't use all their time off. Right? This and we work these ridiculous hours, and our productivity no longer is that percent better than the European Union, for example, right. or other countries. Right. And they've actually done some studies now about productivity levels, right? And sure. really, at the end of the day, you know, they said something along the line that if you reduce the workday to six hours, people would get Correct. more done because of the sense of immediacy that that would create. Correct. And there's trends now for the four-day work week for the same reason, to yes. be able to have equity with family and balance, work-life balance. They're mm -hmm. trying to work out all these things because it's unsustainable. It's unsustainable for a culture. It's unsustainable for an organization. And it is definitely unsustainable for the individual, which is what we're talking about. Right. I'd love to dig a little bit deeper into the reasons why people get stuck. And we'll get to that right after this. When you're delivering an important speech to a huge audience, it's easy to lose your place or go way over time. Give yourself an advantage with the Pro Speaker Presentation Speech Timer app. No more checking your watch or calling for time. The Pro Speaker Presentation Speech Timer app keeps you on track with easy-to-see timers, even changing color for visual prompts during your speech. And you can set audio cues to practice or set it to vibrate so you don't even have to look. Be the pro you know you are. Download the app at speakerpresentationtimer.com. Welcome back. We've been talking a lot about indicators of being stuck. Loretta, in your experience, really, what are the consequences, both to the individual, to the teams, and to the organizations? Just a little question. Well, what we just talked about, the lack of engagement. Okay. So the individual is no longer engaged. They're spending a lot of their time and energy in this negative bonding mode. And we're not working. You know, we're, we're distracting ourselves we're talking about work rather than working. Like, so we have the meeting, then we talk, then we have the meeting after the meeting about what happened in the meeting because we, we didn't feel comfortable speaking up in the meeting. And then we go away and we complain that I have all this. And we really don't spend time planning and organizing. We spend time worrying about what we need to do. So, yeah. So digging a little bit deeper into that then, what are the reasons why individuals get stuck like this? Like what's the root cause? There's a few. One is, you know, we go into a job and this is from the HR perspective. Here's my job description. These are my responsibilities. Well, two years later, that has evolved. And we are not always, we take on new responsibilities because either I want a promotion or career development or new skills, or I was assigned to a project. There's a lot of reasons why our duties expand. And, you know, in some companies, somebody left and I took some of those responsibilities. Over time, our jobs become bigger and bigger. And we haven't necessarily stopped to figure out how to get all that new work done or talk about taking some of that off our plate. Another reason we become stuck is, especially as a manager and a business owner, there are issues that we just don't address. 
and we know that avoiding issues don't make them go away. So it could be a software issue, it could be an IT issue, it could be, there's lots of things that happen in our day-to-day business operations and in managing employees that are real issues and either I don't know how to address them and so I put them to the side But if you know about monkey management, nothing ever gets pushed to the side. The monkey ends up on your back. And instead of four problems, I'm now carrying around 20 and I'm hunched over as the analogy, right? So there's the unaddressed issues. Okay. And and they could be any. And then the most common unaddressed issue is performance issues. So somebody's not doing their job. Or again, we hired them. They were great. One of the common ones is in startup businesses, you know, there's, there's three individuals. We had a great idea. We started working da, da, da. a year and a half later. One of the marriage has a child or, or is distracted or doesn't have the skill set anymore to keep up with the growth of the business. And we don't know what to do about it. And so we just ignore it. And it doesn't go away and it drains us. And we're just not addressing the business issue here. Another thing we do uh, related to something I said before is when issues become unaddressed, they become bigger. I worked for a gentleman who used to call it the, the problem grows muscles. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, something, again, a performance issue with an individual, we avoid it, avoid it, and all of a sudden it becomes this bigger thing. It may be just in our head, right? Oh, I can't now. This has been going on for six months and I haven't just. So we do that to ourselves. You know, we make things, same thing, projects. We have this project to do. Oh, my God, I got this big project. And it becomes a bigger project than if I stopped and looked at it and made a project plan and divided it into pieces. And another reason we get stuck is, again, we forget why we're here. We forget about the joy. I don't know if you know, but 15, 20 years ago, the Seattle Fish Market did this video. It's called Play, you know, Play, right? Is that bringing play into the world? And if you ever saw it, it's true. We forget. We don't laugh. We don't joke. And with all of the new restrictions on harassment, a lot of people feel, especially when you've been in the environment as long as I have, that the work environment has become vanilla. We can't tell jokes. Nobody knows who I am. And we don't know how to behave anymore. So we, we avoid. We avoid singing, dancing, you know, making jokes, being ourselves. And all the joy of work and being with other people goes away and all we have left is the negative yeah and that's another reason we get stuck because we were unhappy and we yeah you know it's interesting because you mentioned it about leaders feeling like people aren't aren't doing their job and so from their perspective they're seeing really unmotivated employees they're tagging them unmotivated or they don't take initiative or they're lazy when really at the end of the day, there's a deeper, bigger problem. Or it could be one of those. But if I don't tell the person that that's not okay, that they're lazy and they're not doing what I need them to do, it's never going to be resolved. <laughs> you need to ad- you need to find out what the cause is and then address it. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And in my book, Tell Them About Performance Management, I always use the analogy of sports, which is, you know, I grew up a Yankee fan from the Bronx, New York. Not everyone fits on every team. Somebody could be traded from a baseball team or a football team or whatever, and then become the MVP in the new team that they're on. And the same thing is with employees. If the employee is working, not working out, it doesn't mean that they're a failure or I'm a failure as a supervisor. It could mean that this is not a fit. And it could mean 
yes, they were a great fit for the first two years they worked for us, and now it doesn't work anymore. And that's okay. And they can go someplace else, and I can replace them, and they'll be happier. I have, I have so many stories about that. Sounds you know, like you have, you have another whole book inside of you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, any manager who's been around for a long time will tell you that they had an employee that wasn't working out. They, they had a conversation with them, if, if that is their approach. And they had a mutually nice, they left and they got somebody else and it was fine. Yes. You know, we avoid those things because like, oh my God, if that person's gone, who's going to do the accounts payable? Who's going to... And the answer is there may be, yes, there, there may be two months, three months of pain, but then, you know, you're here now, they're not doing what you need them to do. And so we may go down a little bit, but then you're going to get somebody and the performance is going to go up and it's no longer going to be a monkey that you are carrying around. Right, right. And, you know, and for the employee, they find an env environment where they're thriving. Right. And right. all of a sudden it's like, you know, because I've talked to people, it's like I, they went to my competitors and now it's like, how come they didn't do that for me? <laughs> it's like, well, that's might another be issue. That's another <laughs> issue. <laughs> the writer, this is really, really fascinating. How can our audience get in contact with you if they want to meet up with you and pick your brain and see how you could benefit them? Sure. They can contact me through my website, which is askloretta.com. Just askloretta.com. And the company's performance management services, either one will get you to the website or my last name, Cooland at AskLoretta.com. Nice. Nice. And so these, the contact information will be in the show notes. So make sure that if you are experiencing any of these pains and, you know, issues with passion in the workplace or non-positive passion in the workplace, maybe you reach out to, to Loretta and see how she can help you. I imagine that there are both steps that people can take to get unstuck and to keep from getting stuck. And we'll get to that right after this. Every day you perform, maybe not on a stage in front of a captive audience, oh, thank you, thank you, but in your business, whether you know it or not, you are performing. Thinking about your business like you have to go out there and put on a perfect show can help create long-lasting success. And you can find out the secrets how in the new book, Lights, Camera, Action, Business Operational Excellence Through the Lens of Live Theater. Author, speaker, actor, and business coach Mark Hain breaks down how you can craft a solid foundation, rehearse before you ever serve your first customer, and take action to provide an experience worthy of a standing ovation. Mark's experience running casinos, restaurants, and hotels, as well as his time in live theater, has been preparing him to help put the spotlight on your business and give it its time to shine. Order his book, Lights, Camera, Action, today at your favorite online store or directly at markhain.com. That's M-A-R-C-H-A-I-N-E.com. So, Loretta, we mentioned that one of the first steps that people need to do is recognize that they're, that they're unhappy and that this is not working for them. What can people do to move forward once they've defined that, yes, I am stuck in a rut. I've been doing this now. I've been too many things have had to be sacrificed. I'm definitely, definitely unhappy. Before we do that, I just want to go back to the reasons why people get stuck. Sure. A lot of the reasons we talked about are, are why employees or managers get stuck. A lot of reasons that small business owners get stuck is they get to a point where they're doing things that they could be delegating but they have no one to delegate it to, or they've tried to delegate it and it failed. And that is often, you know, that spiraling negative self-talk that, you know, I'll just do it. And, and then they never get out and they lose their, 
lose time and their ability to do that. And they end up in a much more operational role than in a marketing business development role. And then that becomes, you know, self-fulfilling. And the answer is yes, it's very difficult to hire somebody. And yes, but again, you know, there's HR people out there. Again, I work for a company, Pinnacle HR also, who outsources human resources. Small business owners do not need to do everything themselves. I don't know what it's like in Canada, but but here in New York and in the U.S., I know that we have so many consultants, you know, the CEO for hire. Again, there's people outsource their IT. There are solutions. And this is why sometimes it's helpful to talk to somebody like me who has worked with so many small companies and know, you know, how to get an organization to move from here to here. We can't always hire a full-time person if there's just two or three of us or five of us or 10 of us. And when do I hire a new person? And what are those skill sets? And how do I hire? And how do I, how do I screen and assess? All those things are a different skill set that the business owner may not have. Just because you're a great chef doesn't mean you know how to run a restaurant. Right, right. right. And what, it's funny that you said that because most of the small businesses that I talk to get into a rut because they end up doing the work that they didn't want to do. So for instance, like you mentioned, the chef, the the reason why a chef starts a restaurant is because he loves food. He wants to be producing food. He doesn't want to be dealing with the schedules or running with customer complaints or being front of house. Some of them want to be in the kitchen to be actually producing the food, which means then they need to find somebody that can run the business for them in partnership with them almost as an employee or as a business manager or something. Right. And Mark, what I find absolutely with the executive directors and the C-suite and so many of the managers that I talk to is they don't always articulate what their expectation. I know a small business owner right now who had a very difficult time with the marketing person that they hired and they weren't posting things. Like, well, did you tell them? Well, they should know. Right. Managers assume people are clairvoyant. And of course they know they have a job. Yeah. Well, If you don't tell them what your expectations are, and if you don't refresh those expectations as your expectations change, which they will as the business grows, as you learn more, it is not the individual's employee or consultant's fault that they're not meeting your expectations. Yes. And so that's the other second stuck that a lot of business owners, they do not articulate what they want frequently enough Okay. So you had asked about some steps people can take. Yeah. So people recognize now I'm not happy. I am definitely in a rut, but again, change is challenging. What can, what steps can they take? I actually have five that I, that I thought we could talk about. One is a simple thing, which is to take 30 minutes. Oh my God. Yes. I'm asking you to, to spend some time. It could be 10 minutes. It could be very quick. I just did this exercise with an executive director I'm coaching and I thought it was going to be tedious and she came back with seven things in a minute, right? So write down three or five things that you would do if you quote unquote had the time, right? Just a couple of things, top of mind, important to you. And it could be attend my my child's soccer game. It could be go out on a date with my wife. It could be go to the gym, whatever it is, write down a few things and then look at those things and say, you know, whose control is it to do those things? Are these things that I could be doing if I woke up a half an hour earlier or if I left work a half an hour earlier? A lot of times these are things that we can do, but again, I'm too busy or we choose not to do. So just have a list. Second, write down the issues that you have been avoiding. 
Is there an employee that's a performance issue? Is there a vendor that's a, a difficulty? You know, should you be applying for a grant? Are there things, you know, do you need an upgrade in your IT systems? Are there things that you have been avoiding because you don't know how to do them? And I talk about these two things is we need to start with the lists because then we can break them down and figure out how to move yourself forward. And once you get some wins under your belt and, and start to get unstuck, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy and you, you start to take back control of your life. A third step, I'm big into calendar management. So this third step would be to put 15 minutes on your calendar for this week, think through a project that needs to get done or one of these initiatives that you had on your list or an issue that hasn't been addressed. So just 15 minutes to pick one of those items to think about how to move it forward. As I mentioned before, a lot of the times we make things bigger than they are. You know, there's this big project that we have. If we actually just sit down for a few minutes and look at it and say, okay, what do I need to get this done and break it down? It ends up being much more manageable. And then you can put on your calendar 30 minutes twice a week to work on those components to try to move it forward. And then the fifth one is to do something positive for yourself. Specifically, make a commitment today that tomorrow I'm either going to go to the gym, I'm going to go out to dinner with my significant other, I'm going to go walk, whatever it is that brings you joy. I'm going to go dance, I'm going to go sing a song, listen to an album, you know, an old Led Zeppelin album, that, you know, something that you haven't, something to break, break the negativity, something positive for yourself. For me, I'd get a facial. It's something to, again, you know, we're, we're trying to rewire our brains. So something to positively reinforce those activities that we're, we're doing to help us get unstuck. Love it. Love it. Those right there is the whole value for this podcast right there on how to get unstuck. But we got stuck in the first place. And I get a sense that we get stuck because of our habits. We get stuck because there's something we're not quite doing or we are doing that's forcing us to get stuck. Can you allude to that a little bit? How do habits come into play in us getting to where we ended up getting stuck? Yeah, we stop being thoughtful about what we're doing. We just keep on taking work. We don't stop. I'm a huge fan when I do, you know, organizational planning, you know, when, when I do this more coaching one-on-one, -on -one, as I mentioned this, I do believe in it and require, and I've always done this myself, which is you need to put planning time in your calendar and you need to stop and plan. So stop going through your day automatically, you know, and be more thoughtful about what's bothering you, what you're doing uh, so that you can, the big thing is to feel control. You know, one of the reasons we get stuck is, you know, that we have abdicated control over our lives. And then we use that all that negative affirmation language and that victimized language. And uh, we, we've abdicated control. So if you control your calendar, if you control when people talk to you, if you control your meetings, if you put on planning on your calendar, and these are simple things that, that one of the first tools I work with with individuals. And I have somebody who's just doing that now. She has an employee who takes an hour of her time. I'm like, no, seven minute rule. He has seven minutes to complain to you and then you move on, right? <laughs> so there are very simple things we, that, and again, you know, I've been doing this for a long time and this is what I do. And so I, I have these tools. We don't all have these tools and we just keep taking it or getting stuck or, 
day to day to day to day, and we don't know how to break it. But, but taking control, not letting go of control. You know, there's four answers to every question mark. Yes, no, yes, but, no, but. And yes, but is the most powerful answer that we can have. So if you say to me, Loretta, you want to do this podcast? Yes, but I can't do it till July. I've just taken control of my calendar. Yes, I'm excited. I want to work on this project. Yes, I want to talk to you about your issue. Yes, I want to do this. I'm giving you my parameters of when I can do that. Nice. And that is powerful, powerful, taking control, very simple. And so many of us do not feel that we can say no. So we say yes without condition, you know, the butt part conditions. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. You know, it's funny because what you're talking about is basically setting boundaries. And some people would argue, you know, I want to be approachable. I want to be open. I want to be reflective to the needs of my team. And then you talk about boundaries and they're like, oh, well, that's completely contrary to that. No, it's, it's not. Loretta, thank you so much. This has been an absolute wealth of information. You've just completely blown us out of the water with the value that you just brought today. If you'd like to get hold of Loretta, again, you can reach her on her website at www.askloretta.com. And folks, my offer stands. If you'd like 30 minutes of my time with you and your team to brainstorm your business, some issues within your business, whatever that might be, feel free to book some time on my online calendar. The link is down below in the show notes. It's the one that's marked meetme.so slash mark. Again, that's Mark with a C. I'd be more than happy. This is a zero strings attached. This is 30 minutes all about you and what you need. I have no intention to sell you anything. I just want to be of service to you. If there's any insight I can lend you, I'm more than happy to give you 30 minutes of my time. This is Mark Hain. I hope that you stay safe, stay healthy, and dare to be the exception. Thank you for joining us this week on Experience Leadership. Make sure you visit MarkHain.com where you can subscribe to iTunes or by RSS so you'll never miss a show. Or go directly to MarkHainLive.com to watch the video edition of this podcast. While you're at it, if you found today's content valuable, please give us a rating on iTunes. Or you can share it and tell your friends all about the show. As Mark says, knowledge is power, but only if you share it. Be sure to tune in each week for the newest episode. Please stay safe, stay healthy, and dare to be the exception.